Hey there everyone, welcome aboard to the One Touch Talks. This is your host Mayurish Matkar. So lots to unpack from this weekend. We're entering the final few hours of the January transfer window. Over the weekend we had market fixtures in Germany, Italy and Spain. We'll take a look at what happened in Serie A with the market fixture being between Roma and Napoli. We'll have to take a look at what happened in Spain as La Real took on Real Madrid in the Santiago Bernabeu. Barcelona continue their unbeaten run in La Liga for a few games now as they beat Genoa by a goal to nil but we are going to start today in the Allianz Arena in Germany where Bayern have drawn their third consecutive game and the pressure is mounting on Union Nagelsmann. So Bayern Munich have lost just one game this entire season in all competitions and it's already crisis time there. Julian Nagelsmann is under a massive amount of pressure. The off-the-field matters aren't supporting the cause right now for Bayern Munich as well with the sacking of the goalkeeping coach Tony Tapalovic, who was the best friend of their captain Manuel Neuer, who has broken his leg going on a ski trip after the World Cup. And, you know, the things that have happened around Bayern Munich, we call it FC Hollywood and it's FC Hollywood for a reason. Everything that's happening in Bayern Munich off the field now is taking more attention and is making matters worse for Julian Nagelsmann right now. And we'll get into it, everything. But let's just take a look at what happened at the weekend. It was Frankfurt against Bayern at the Allianz Arena. And it was a very, very good performance, in my opinion, by Frankfurt. I think they deserved much more than the point that they got. Uh, Yes, Bayern had a few chances. I think the most notable chance was the promoting backflip, which he could not score. Kevin Trapp made a good save. Frankfurt got the ball cleared away. If you look at the goal as well, it was very well taken by Leroy Zane. Good movement there between Stanisic, Muller and Leroy Zane, who applied the finishing touches for that one. But, you know, if I am a Bayern Munich fan, I am not concerned about them drawing games because I know that Bayern Munich can turn up a switch and, you know, they can go on a run of games unbeaten in the Bundesliga and that's very easy for them to do. The reason why I would be concerned is because Bayern Munich don't create enough chances. If you look at the game against Leipzig, if you look at the game against Frankfurt, they haven't created chances. The game against Köln, yes, they were completely over Köln, but that, in that game as well, it took a world day from Josue Kimmich out from 40 yards or so to give them parity in that game. So it is not crisis time as of yet in terms of the results. But I would say with regards to performances on the pitch, they have been pretty atrocious given the standards Bayern set for themselves. I think, you know, with Leipzig, Union Berlin, Freiburg, Dortmund, I just think that Leipzig are the more you know, clear favourites to challenge Bayern out of these four teams. I think Dortmund are very much unpredictable. They're not playing well, Give although they beat, uh, I think it was Mainz at the weekend. So, yeah, they, they're not particularly good. I would say Leipzig are the most favourites because they have the squad, they have the attacking players, they have good defensive solidity. And I believe in Marco Rosa, but that's it's not about Leipzig. Frankfurt in this game were pretty good. In the second half, they got a goal. Randall Colomani scoring and and he's had a fantastic season. I mean, it would have been a much better season had he scored in the final in the World Cup against Argentina. But uh, 
yeah, he's he's having a very good season uh, for Frankfurt. He had a fantastic game in the Champions League as well against Sporting Lisbon. Uh, he's been very consistent for Frankfurt in the Bundesliga. And, you know, there are people suggesting now that he might be the next target for Bayern Munich uh, in, this, in the summer transfer window as a new number nine. I don't know about that, but surely, you know, if you look at this team uh, for, for Frankfurt... They're not just nobodies. They have got very, very good players. They've got, you know, decent amount of uh, ammunition for any team to be afraid of themselves. You can ask Barcelona last season as well, the way they completely uh, took over Barcelona in that game. Um, but yeah, I, I thought the way Frankfurt played, it, it was very good. I think if, if you're buying, the only player that I thought played well was to an extent, Alfonso Davies, because he was giving you defensive cover. Going forward, he's not offered as much as we would expect from him. Uh, I think, as I said, you know, defensively, I think he was good. He, the duels between him and Buta were very, very interesting to watch. Uh, he was he was challenged, uh, let's be honest. You know, he was challenged on most of the occasions by Buta on that right-hand side of Frankfurt's attack. And Buta did well, and so did Davies defensively. I think the problem is with the, with the way they're playing right now. I believe, you know, Joshua Kimmich, again, he, he was very much isolated. I, again, I, I know that, you know, people are trying to get their fingers pointed at Thomas Muller for his inclusion. But I think Jamal Musiala, for the two games that he started, one away at Leipzig and the home game against Köln, he didn't actually play that well. So, you know, if you're Julian Nagelsmann and you're sitting in that dressing room and you're thinking, you know what? I've given Jamal Musiala two games and he's not produced that uh, he's not produced for Bayern Munich. Let's say for example I screw up this game and I don't start Thomas Muller, a very very important ally for me in that dressing room of Bayern Munich, a veteran of uh, the of the side. If I don't pick him for the next game and if you screw this up, I'm in a massive pressure. Anyways, but the dressing room in turn, the dressing room in turn will turn up on me, and I think I understand that because he needs to have the dressing room in his favor. I understand that that might just be a political move, but I just don't think you know Thomas Muller did anything wrong. I thought Thomas Thomas Muller was very good. He gave those movements. He gave those you know. The, the movements that he's known for, you know, picking up the pockets, you know, dragging out defenders, pulling people out of position. That's what he does. And I think he did that really well. Uh, he also provided that assist for, for Leroy Zane's goal. So I think he's done well. Jamal Musiala has not been at his usual self. Or should I say he's not shown the form that he showed us before the World Cup. So is Thomas Muller... A designated starter, I don't know, but you have to start him. I I, I don't think uh, Julian Nagelsmann had much more of a choice. Um, by the way, if you look at the way the front men played, uh, Kingsley Coman and Leroy Sané, I, I thought they pl played decently. Um, well, uh, two off games for Eric Maxim to promoting, but he's he's done very well for them this season. He's exceeded my expectations. So let's uh, let's just keep it that way. So. Uh, he's exceeded my own expectations, so you know he he he's done quite well there. I think Frankfurt, with the way they handled uh, Eric Maxim Chupamoting, was very good. It was particularly a five four one. It was not a three four three. 
three four two one rather it was a five four one a bank of five a bank of four and Randall Colomani standing up front so it is a very very good team you've got Lundstrom there you've got Randall Colomani you've got people like Mario Godza who is very experienced you've got Sebastian Roda and Digital So in that midfield who to, who two are a very very good pairing and again I need to applaud Oliver Glasner here because of his thinking here it it was much more you know clever of him to not pick someone like a Daichi Kamada who is such so, so good in terms of technical ability and he's so vital to the success of Eintracht Frankfurt he didn't pick him he picked Mario Godza alongside Jesper Lundström and didn't play him in that midfield pivot as well he bought him off the bench that is something that you know, I didn't expect him to do because because of the weight that Daichi Kamada carries with himself. He's a very, very good player, but it worked because, you know, he he preserved his time, he preserved his, you know, energy and stayed tight for for sixty minutes or so and then put in Daichi Kamada to actually get the initiative and see what they can find up sell, uh, up top with some joy for Randall Kolomwani. And that's what happened. I think Daichi Kamada made a very very good pass to Randall Kolomwani on his goal he that was a very good no look pass uh from the Japanese international um by the way uh, Sebastian Roda very very good game and so uh, and again applauded to Digital Sir as well fantastic game for him as well Hasebe in that center of that back three I thought the way he played was very good given the fact that he does not play more often this uh, because of his age he's 39 years of age now so I thought I thought that was very good from him. Uh, Indika had a very decent game as well. So yeah, in all, I think it was a good game. Kevin Trapp wasn't really you know required for this entire game apart from that one chance which Super Moting had where he tried to black backflip it, and that was the same instance where you know Bayern had a shot or two on on uh, Kevin Trapp's goal. Apart from it, just that just the sequence for Leroy Sané's goal. Apart from it, was nothing in terms of offensive movement for Bayern Munich. And I think that is concerning. Um, by the way, uh, I think, you know, if you're Julian Nagelsmann, I think you need to take a look at how this team is going to function. I don't think uh, the way the front players are playing, it is going to give him much joy. Uh, by the way, they have signed in Joao Cancelo from Man City on a loan. They have an option to buy him at the end of the season for 70 million euros. I don't think they're going to pay 70 million euros for Joao Cancelo. Again, I think if Cancelo wants to move to Bayern, it's a very, very nice move. But again, he will have competition there. If he wants to play left back, obviously you've got Alfonso Davies there. But if you want to play right back, you've got to to be contesting with Nuzir Mazraoui, who will come back from injury at some point. And... Again, Benjamin Pavar is set to move to Barcelona. There are concrete rumours right now that Barca are looking at uh, Benjamin Pavar as, uh, as as a backup option for, for their team for next season. So I think that, that, that will go through. Um, by the way, yeah, you know, do they need a few signings here and there? Yes, I think so. They do. They do. Um, but... You know, is it going to be? It's not going to be in this in this January transfer. It is obviously going to be in the summer. So, we'll see what happens there. But uh, right now, the questions are with regards to what's happening off the pitch as well with Bayern Munich because Manuel Neuer and Tony Tapalovic, two very very good friends. Tony Tapalovic, if people don't know him, 
he is the goalkeeping coach of Bayern Munich and he's one of the best mates of uh, Manuel Neuer, the Bayern Munich captain. So he has been very much influential in what the team selection does uh, with what the goalkeeping situation is. And I think he was not in favour of giving Jan Sommer or he wasn't really you know, interested in getting Alex Nubel, who is playing for Monaco right now, his opportunity to play for Bayern Munich. He was more interested in pushing Sven Ulreich here and people like Oliver Kahn and Hassan Salahamidzic. They didn't want uh, Sven Ulreich to become this the first choice goalkeeper. Again, it's a bit of a fiasco there in Bayern and, you know, only... I mean, only a cunning man can predict what's going to happen uh, with their, with regards to their future. I mean, Tony Tapalovic getting sacked is... It's, 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 it says a lot of things. I think, again, Manuel Neuer, when he went on to that ski trip and, you know, I think he's probably ended his career. Now that, you know, Manuel Neuer, uh, now that Bayern Munich have signed Jan Zoma, I do think, you know, it might be curtains for, 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 for Manuel Neuer because given his age and, you know, if Sommer is going to be in your squad, you're not going to be paying it. You're not going to be playing him as a number two. He's always going to be number one. He probably has been the second best goalkeeper in Germany for now five or six years. So I believe, you know, it is time for Manuel Neuer to look somewhere else. Again, after the season, if, um, you know, people like Khan and uh, Salihamidzic want to have a big boys talk with... um, Big boys talk with Manuel Nora. I think it should happen and they should see what they can do. Again, you know, this Jan Sommer thing is not very long-term as well. They they will have a plan in place to see how much long he can serve as well because he is 34 right now. I think he will complete his entire contract and then we'll see. Uh, but yeah, you know, they'll have to make decisions very, 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 very soon. As far as Eintracht Frankfurt are concerned, I think they have a very good manager. They have a very good bunch of players. They're having a good season. They're in the Champions League as well against Napoli. And it will be a very, very good tie. I mean, it's not as one-sided as some people might think. It will be two very good coaches like Oliver Glasner and uh, Luciano Spalletti going against each other. Two very, very good strikers like Victor Seaman and Randall Colomwani. Some very good midfield players battling against each other. So it's going to be a fascinating tie uh, between Frankfurt and Napoli. So we'll see what happens there. The, the main concern is now going to be how to stay in the Champions League for next season so they can be a regular team from Germany representing uh, the Bundesliga in the Champions League. They have to contest it because... Right now, it is very much a race between themselves, Dortmund and Freiburg. I think Leipzig will get there. I expect Union Berlin to drop back into that contention for Champions League as well in some time. So we'll see where it where it leaves us at the end of this at the end of this summer summer at at the end of this summer. So we'll see what happens with them in the Bundesliga. So from going to Bayern Munich, and now we move on to Leipzig, as we had Leipzig taking on Stuttgart in the Bundesliga, and Leipzig won by two goals to one. They considered a very you know soft penalty because of Guardiola's handball. Uh, at home against Stuttgart, but they scored two goals, and that is important. Dominic Schoboslai scoring both the goals. I think the first goal, I think the goalkeeper could have done better from that free kick from Schoboslai, but that second goal was brilliant, and that Wally just smashed it into the back of the net. And I think that is important now for a team like uh, 
RB Leipzig to contend with this title race. I think they can do well. I think if they can win the win the Bundesliga, I think it will be very, very good for them and the club. It will be a massive success for the German Bundesliga as well to have someone apart from uh, Bayern Munich winning the Champions League, uh, for winning the Bundesliga. I'm sorry here. So well, let, let's see what happens with Bayern with with RB Leipzig at the end of the season. By the way, Union Berlin in the uh, Bundesliga also won their game, and uh, well, they are, again the approach is not very famous because they apply a minimalistic approach and. You know, they are not everyone's favourites, but they did well. They were in the Berlin derby away at Hertha Berlin and they played well, scoring two goals in both the, in each of the halves. They're still in the title race as well, whether people would like it or not. Uh, by the way, Freiburg were at home against Augsburg and they managed to beat them by three goals to one. Goals by Michael Gregorisic, who's been in very, very good form. Mergin Berisha and Philipp Leinhardt in the in the in the in the second half gave Freiburg their victory. Uh, and by Leverkusen and Dortmund, they squared off in the Bay Arena. Dortmund ending Xabi Alonso's team's uh, unbeaten run for such a long time. By the way, it is uh, very good to see Florian Wirtz play again for by for by Leverkusen. I'm very happy for the guy. Uh, Sardar Asmun, by the way, is uh, is rumored to move away from. Uh, from Bayer Leverkusen and join Olympic Marseille in the January transfer window. We'll see how that pans out for them. Uh, but yeah, talking about this game, it was very, very good. A, a goal for Karim Adiemi in this game and an own goal uh, from uh, Edmund Tapsoba gave Dortmund the much a very, very big victory against Bayer Leverkusen away in, in the Bay Arena. So... That's I think that's it from Germany, and we'll see what happens next week. We do have the uh, DFB Pokal fixtures, a uh, massive game coming up between Mainz and Bayern Munich. Leipzig will be taking it on Hoffenheim. These are the marquee fixtures from the DFB Pokal this midweek. So enough of the Bundesliga, we now move on to Italy to take a look at what happened in the Serie A and it was a very entertaining and enjoyable weekend of football in Italy, a very good round of matches being played over the weekend, main evented of course by the big game at the Maraona between Napoli and Roma, Spalletti against Jose Mourinho it was a very very good game. Uh, by the way we had some other results as well and just get let's just get them out of the way. We had Juventus losing against Monza which was a rather very embarrassing defeat and I just didn't thought Juventus were in the game. They, they, they never were, you know, Monza had a goal chopped off before they scored their first one and then the second one. Uh, in the second half, it was much more hanging on from uh, uh, from, from, from Monza. Di, Di, Di Gregorio had to come up with uh, two or three very, very good saves, uh, but the story was in the first half. I just don't think this Juventus side are a back three, back five kind of a team. They are a more four three three kind of a team. And again, no, he's playing Costage way deeper than he needs to play. I don't understand why Paredes and Locatelli don't start together because I think if they do start together, they can make this team look much more different in the middle of the park. They just don't look to me convincing. Uh, Fagioli did play and I think again he is the future for this side and he needs to be playing a lot more next season. I think this season again he's not had much of the opportunity. Fabio Miretti again the same goes for him too. 
the second goal, by the way, from Monza was just amazing to watch. Uh, the way they passed the ball and the way uh, the goal was taken, it, it, it was just amazing from Monza. Great performance. It's the first time in their history that uh, they have... Uh, done the double over Juventus. I mean, that's an incredible feat for them. Uh, by the way, Milan were at home against Asuolo at the San Siro, and it was not a good night, or rather a good evening for anyone who was, you know, in attendance in San Siro supporting Milan. And I think Sassuolo played out a very good game. I think Domenico Berardi for the first half was literally unplayable. Two, two assists, if I'm not wrong, with the first one... Uh, and the second one, the third one, he scored himself. Uh, Roma, by, by the way, Milan didn't have the full-strength squad. And Ben Asserton wasn't playing, didn't start Rafael Leao. He came off the bench in the second half. He didn't have uh, Ficaio Tomori. So, yes, they did have a few a few players missing, but you have to do well. In, in a game like this, you, you should be doing well. Uh, it's, it's a massive game and you have to play Sassuolo. They're a very, very good side. I thought the way Milan went about their business in this first in the first half was just too bad. Uh, Giroud did get a goal back for them, but you know I, I thought Sassuolo were completely over them. And again, let's be honest, Milan have fallen off a cliff since going to Saudi Arabia. They did just have not been themselves. The way they played against Inter in the Supercoppa Italia that was pretty horrendous, and then. You know, look at the games which they played after that, leading up to this one against Sassuolo. They haven't been good. It's 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 the truth, and I think you know you have to think that Stefano Pioli has to answer a few questions now because the top four looks a very it it looks realistic now that they can miss top four because of the way Atalanta is playing, the way Gasparini is uh, marshalling his troops. We will talk about that as well. Um, by the way, moving on to uh, the way sec the second half panned out, I think Milan were pretty good. But, I mean, there was an improved performance in the second half. Again, that goal from uh, Diva Corrigi was just outstanding. It was just an in uh, individual brilliance. They did fight a bit in that midfield. Again, Brahim Diaz didn't start. I don't understand why this is happening. Um, Charles de Ketteler, I, I think he's a very good player. He should be receiving games on a consistent level he should be having starts on a consistent level otherwise you're not going to get the best out of him he's a wonderful player I've seen a lot of him when he used to play for Club Brugge so I think you need to be patient a little bit patient with someone like him but you know you have to start Bryce, uh, Brian, Brian, Brian Diaz I'm sorry here uh, because again, he, he's a fantastic player and you need to have someone like him some of that quality playing as a number 10 um, Yes, by the way, again, someone talked to me that is this the are, are these the effects of not having a good transfer window once you won the title? I, I'm talking about Milan. And I think, yeah, you, you have to question what the board are trying to do. They signed Origi, they signed Charles de Quetelara. Yes, that's a good signing. But apart from that, they, they haven't made any meaningful acquisitions from the summer transfer market. And I think that is where I believe they have they've they've lost a trick they have missed a trick here and I think that is going to hurt them in the season we'll see it's it's very difficult to actually predict now whether they're going to be in the top 4 or not because right now they're not 
but you know we we can't really say for sure that they're not going to be in the ti- in in the top four once the season's over. I mean, they've completely made it sure that Napoli are not going to be troubled by them with these three or four results that they've had in this area after the Supercoppa Italia. Uh, by the way, Inter, they won their game. They they were very, very professional at the weekend. They played well. Uh, Lotaro Martinez has been very good since the World Cup. He's had a string of games where he's gone... Uh, he, he's had a hot streak of games, uh, let's, be, let's put it that way. He was just brilliant in that game against Cremonese, uh, where David... Okereke did score in the first few minutes. I think it was in the first 10 minutes where he scored a um, very good goal. And then Lautaro Martinez adding it to it in 10 minutes later. And then in the second half as well, ending the game 2-1 to Inter away at Cremonese. It's a very, very good victory for them. Uh, by the way, Atalanta were at home against Sampdoria. This could have looked a bit different. But again, I thought, you know, the way Atalanta played, it was just amazing. Adam Lukman scoring again. He's, he's just having a fantastic season, hasn't he? 12 goals and 3 assists in Serie A this season so far. He's, he's having the season of his life. He's got 2 goals in Coppa Italia as well. So 14 goals so far for Adebola Lukman in this season. Um, he, he, he's going to go after the season from Atalanta. I mean, if they get top 4, maybe he'll play another season with them. But it looks, it looks pretty much imminent right now. I, I believe, you know, for them... To win a trophy would be so huge right now because they're they're a very good team. I mean, the, uh, again, you know the way they played at the weekend against Sampdoria. The first goal that Joachim Mailer scored was very good. The movement around the box was pretty decent. Uh, Adebola Lukman again adding to his total. I mean, he's he's having a season for his for, for uh, of his life. Let, let's let's not kid uh, kid ourselves. Uh, by the way, Lazio at home against Fiorentina. They managed a one-all draw. Nicolo Casale scoring in the first few minutes of the game again for Napoli uh, for, for Lazio. Uh, by the way, uh, just after the halftime, uh, just after just moments into the second half, Nicolas Gonzalez, the Argentinian international, scored for Fiorentina to give them parity, and that was the scoreline which remained at the end of the game. Lazio find themselves third in the points table in Italy. They are level on points with Atalanta and Milan. Milan are in fifth because of goal difference. Atalanta have a superior goal difference. And, you know, right now the top four looks like Napoli, Inter, Lazio and Atalanta. Milan are on fifth and Roma are on sixth. So that is your top six in Italy. So let's just move on to the main event of this weekend. And that was Adda Maraona between Napoli and AS Roma. Let's be honest. I'll be honest about this game. I didn't watch the first half live. I did watch it afterwards, but I didn't watch it live. I was watching uh, Real Madrid against uh, Real Sociedad at that time. And, you know, I regret it. I, I missed the entire sequence of play from which Osimhen scored that wonderful goal. I mean, what a goal that was from Victor Osimhen. He was just amazing, wasn't he, in the entire game. Just so good. And he's, he, he's one of the hottest properties right now in Europe. But just the first half analysis, I thought Zielinski was pretty good in this game, was pulling up the strings everywhere. Kwaratskelia was Kwaratskelia, and he's having another... I mean, he had another fantastic game, let's be honest. Um, I thought the way Napoli are functioning right now with the back four, with the midfield three, it's, it's looking all solid. Uh, again, you know, I was 
pretty much pissed off because Azdin Unai did not sign for them. I thought he would have been a very, very good player. It had he, he would have been a very useful player, rather, had he signed for a team like Napoli because they would have literally used him up in those Champions League games. Obviously, they don't have Coppa Italia right now because they were beaten by Cremonese uh, in uh, in the midweek in the Coppa Italia. But right now, I think, you know, Napoli, the way they're playing, it is pretty much evident of what the works uh, Spalletti has done. Again, in the start of the season, if someone would have told me that Napoli are going to be even close to fighting for the title, I wouldn't have... I would have laughed at their faces because they lost Fabian Ruiz, they lost... Koulibaly, they lost uh, someone like a big figure like Edris Mertens and Lorenzo Insigne. The latter two were very much popular amongst the fans, and all the uh, uh, all, all the you know toxicity that comes up from the board members as well. So you know these things would have contributed to my opinion. But this has been an amazing season for Napoli so far, and I think you know. We're just getting started in, in in terms of what this team can go go to and what things that they can achieve. You know, Osimhen has been linked to a couple of good clubs right now in Europe, and I think he would make any team better. Uh, that he's been, I, I I saw a few links to Manchester United. I think a club like Bayern Munich could use him. A club like you know, if. You know, Real Madrid wants to move away from Karim Benzema, which does not look like a possibility right now. So maybe a season for Karim Benzema and you say to a seaman, maybe you can stay a bit longer at Napoli and see what can happen for you and we'll sign you next year. That could work. I mean, he, he's an amazing player. He can make any team better. He's having such a good season. Um, by the way, shout out to Kim Min-jae and Amir Rahmani as well. They're both having fantastic time at the back of that, back for, for Napoli. Um Di Lorenzo's just, you know, carrying away, carrying on his form throughout the season. He's been Mr. Consistent for Napoli so far. And again, you know, it stars are lining up. Argentina winning Copa, Copa America, then uh, the uh, World Cup, and now, you know, Napoli so close to winning the Scudetto. They're 13 points clear of Inter right now. I just don't think anyone is going to challenge them with the teams that they've got. I mean, Inter are the most realistic challengers for them at the moment, but it just seems, you know, too unrealistic to say that Inter are going to become anywhere closer to Napoli as the season comes to an end. But, you know, the Champions League game is a big one. That Inter do have to go and play Porto. Likewise, uh, you've got Eintracht Frankfurt taking on Napoli. So these are two very, very decent games for both these sides. So again, the Champions League might cause a bit of a stir in how the things pan out, but I think the Serie A is done. Uh, well, let's talk about the second half, by the way. I just got completely distracted from the topic. I thought the second half, Roma played really well. Roma came out a bit more positive, uh, a team which wanted to have a reaction. I thought like that, and they were very good. Uh, Roger Ibanez had a very, very good chance uh, where there was a block made just just on the goal line, and it was a very, very vital block. Uh, then came the goal from uh, uh, Stephen El Sharavi, who just manages to score every single time he's at the Maraona. He scored against Napoli. Uh, he, he's, he has the, he scored against Napoli more than any other team he scored against. So Napoli is his favourite club and somehow he finds a way to score again and again and again and again and again against Napoli and especially at the Maradona. 
And then, you know, with that goal from Gio Simeone, again, Gio Simeone has been such a great player for them. As I said, I've been banging the door for so much, as for so for such a long time now, that Gio Simeone, when he was at AS Verona too, I could see what he can become, but not at this level. Every time, I mean, if you look at the bench right now, of Napoli, you've got Elif Elmas who can make a difference to a game. You've got Tangi and Dombele who's got experience. You've got players like Politano or even you know Jack Raspadori who's the who's regarded as the future for Italy. So this this is a fantastic team. They are on something, and I think you know when you look at the possibilities that this team can achieve. I mean, I don't think they will be beaten by Eintracht Frankfurt over two legs. In the Champions League, so they're going to move away into the quarterfinals again. A possible semi-final can be the target right now in the Champions League. I mean, if they get the, I I, I believe they will get the, the league wrapped up by the end of Mar- at the end of February. I I think they will go somewhere around eighteen nineteen points clear at the end of January in Serie A, and I think they will wrap up the league by then. And then you can completely focus on Champions League football and you see where, where it leads you. Again, it's a, a funny old season. We'll see what happens. But right now, Napoli look very much in control of their own destiny. By the way, Roma, as I said, they came out swinging in the second half. Uh, they pretty much uh, had to you know, withstand the, the assault from Napoli in the first half. They, went, they came out well in the second half, and I, I'll give them credit for that. But in the end, again, it's... Three points drop for uh, for Jose Mourinho, and I, I keep on saying they need Champions League football next season. Their sporting director Pinto has uh, has hinted to that they don't have much resources, they don't have much money left uh, in, uh, in in to, to invest, and I think that will be a bit of a you know bit of a factor when it comes down to Jose Mourinho because he wants to sign new players. Again, they have injuries, they have. Players like Zaniolo are not happy at the club. We'll have to see what happens to him as well at the end of the transfer window. But for now, I think Roma have to attain a bit of consistency. They do have the uh, Europa League games coming up for them as well. So we'll see what happens at the end of uh, at the end of the month, and we'll see what how they evaluate themselves uh, going forward in the season. So we finally move on to Spain to take a look at what happened in La Liga. The biggest game of this weekend in the Primera División was between La Real and Real Madrid in the Santiago Bernabéu. It was a very entertaining game, a very enjoyable game, particularly in the first half, because I thought there were loads of chances, not just for Real Madrid, but also for Real Sociedad, where, you know, Iaramendi had a massive chance, even Takefusa Kubo could have given... Uh, La Real the lead. I thought the way uh, Real Madrid played over the two halves was pretty much encouraging. And Carlo Ancelotti also, you know, uh, talked about this in the game after the game against Atletico Madrid in the midweek in the Copa del Rey. That the performances in the first half and the second half in every single game since the restart have been pretty different, and that were creating. A bit of a problem for Real Madrid if you look at the game against Villarreal, not just in the Copa del Rey, but even in La Liga, with the loss to Villarreal. I thought this was very much encouraging. The result, not so much, because, you know, nil-nil, it does not give you much help in the La Liga table, because Barcelona went away to Girona and got a one nothing victory because... Uh, and, and this is very much significant, because the gap has, again, widened enough. 
the game, I thought, between these two sides, Real Madrid and Real Sociedad, was going to be a much more difficult game for Real Madrid. Again, Real Sociedad had a few changes as well. They had a few injuries into their squad. Pablo Marín started off the bench. I don't know why, but I think the... Uh, the, the the decision was vindicated in the end. I thought the way Iera Mendy played, the way uh, Bryce Mendes and Zubi Mendy, that, uh, that midfield three, along with Takefusa Kubo playing as a 10, again, in that diamond, which has been so influential for the success this season, that worked again very well. Again, they didn't have Mikel Merino, they didn't have David Silva, who have been so much uh, important for them. They had their, their, their contributions to the, to the La Real side this season have been pretty much immense but they didn't have the uh, those two they played Takefusa Kubo as a 10 they had Oer Thabal and Alexis Soloth who has who has been particularly very very improved uh, this season uh, under Imanol Alguacil who continues to impress me on uh, multiple fronts again I thought the way Real Madrid played in the first half was pretty much encouraging I thought Vinicius Jr. had I, I, again he could have scored two goals easily in that first half I thought Real Madrid could have had one or two goals themselves. You know, Karim Benzema had a big chance. Uh, Vinicius, two good chances. You know, Toni Kroos had a shot, shot saved by Alex Ramiro. So, you know, I thought the performance was very good. In the second half as well, Rodrigo had a had a shot, which I thought for a second that went in. But it, uh, I think it hit the stanchion and it came back. And again, the way... Both these teams played. It was not going to be an easy game, not just for Real Sociedad, but also for Real Madrid, as I said before. Imanol Alguacil is not a, just a just an ordinary manager. He's a very, very good manager, and he's again he, he he's done so well for Real Sociedad for the from the from the moment that he's took over. He's he's actually you know climbed the uh, hierarchical bridge to get hierarchical ladder, just to say to get to this level at Real Sociedad, managing the youth team, the under-19s and everything, and then getting to Real Sociedad, where the team was in dire straits, you know, when he took over, like, what, three years ago, and then he's taken them to Europe, won the Copa del Rey, and now he's in prime spot to get them a top four finish into the Champions League next season. So he's done a fabulous job with, uh, with Real Sociedad. Uh, by the way, he was asked uh, in the press conference uh, that if uh, Martin Zubimendi is ready to play uh, for a massive club, not just in Spain, like Barcelona or Real Madrid, because he's constantly had links, uh, uh, suggesting that a move is imminent for him in the summer transfer window uh, to Barcelona. Imanol Alguacil said that you know Real Sociedad is the biggest club in the world for him and I think he's done very well there so he, there's no problem for him to stay at Real Sociedad for another season I think if they get Champions League football and if Zubimendi is he, he's got his heart out there I think it makes sense for him to stay at Real Sociedad and see what happens um, by the way I think uh, the way uh, this game panned out it was very enjoyable uh, Carlo Ancelotti I think has to be very much encouraged by the way uh, the team performed. I thought again, Sabios has been amazing in these last two or three weeks. He's 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 one midfielder who has stayed, you know, a class apart. He, uh, he, again, you know, compare him to Modric or Kroos or Kamavinga. Kamavinga again, he's been very very good playing at left back. Uh, he he was been uh, actually a bit experimented by Didier Deschamps. Uh, in the in the World Cup, when he was playing a few games for France at left back, he also played 
for for the better part of uh, a quarter of an hour or not uh, a three-fourth of an hour in the World Cup final against Argentina at left back you know he played the entire extra time and also um, a few of the regulation a few minutes of the regulation time uh, at left back so he's he's done pretty well I thought it was a much improved performance by Rudiger who has come up to criticism and I think he's not been at the level which is required I thought Nacho's been pretty good uh, Sabayos as I said has been fantastic uh, since the restart especially and again Tony Kroos had a very good game had a very clean game he was connecting passes every single time he was not put under much pressure by Takefusa Kubo or even by Bryce Mendes but I thought you know he again he had a fantastic game controlled the midfield pretty well uh, Valverde again he's he's having a lackluster time I can understand that because of the tensions that, has, that are happening in his personal life um, you know, it's not good to see a player who's who's had so much success this season before the World Cup go through this. And I feel sorry for him in many ways. I think uh, he, I think for Real Madrid's success, for their well-being this season, he has to come back in form. I thought Rodrigo was very good. Uh, the way Carlo Ancelotti has handled the situation after that Villarreal game in the Copa del Rey with regards to Rodrigo has been very, very good and you know that's that's what you get from pe- people like Carlo Ancelotti he, he's a very good man manager he knows how the players think how the next generation of players think and that's the advantage of having Don Carlo at the bench you know he just you know wipes out every single you know murmur from the from the media from the newspapers from the journalist and just you know rides the storm carefully and allows his players to you know be happy at the club again. You know the things that happened after Rodrigo was substituted in the uh, in in the game against uh, uh, Villarreal in the Copa del Rey. He didn't look happy, and everything everything that was coming from the press was very much you know in a negative manner. And the way he's brushed off everything has been very good. And again, the performance that, that Rodrigo has put in after that Villarreal game have been pretty pretty spectacular. The the, the goal that he scored against Atletico Madrid was again. Very, very good. And see if if that goal scored by Messi or Ronaldo, it gets you know it gets highlighted in the uh, in in the highlights package of the uh, at the end of the season. So it's it's been very, very good from Rodrigo. It's been good management from Carlo Ancelotti. Uh, the way Vinicius played as well, it was very good. It's very bad to see what's happening with all the racial abuse that he's getting. You know, even. Uh, the the door the the way again it's it's sad I mean I think you know Spain as a whole has a massive problem with regards to racism and it's not just about football it's about society and how things are handled how people have been brought up how the education is in Spain I think that needs to be that that needs to be very much examined it's not just with Vinicius Junior I've been seeing that with Samuel Eto with Dani Alves as well. And not just these these two players. Again, there have been many cases of racial abuse in Spain. And I think that needs to be taken care of. Uh, by the way, uh, if you just uh, allow me to, again, recapture what happened in this game. I thought it was a very enjoyable game. As I said, the result does not particularly help uh, uh, Real Madrid. Again, it's a massive point for uh, uh, for for Real Sociedad to come in the Santiago, but get a draw again. It's it it, it it's a very good result for them. Uh, by the way, uh, Hetafe were playing against Real Betis, who are also a team who are contesting for a top four spot. They won 
away at Hetafe. It was a very, very good result for them. Borja Iglesias scoring a late, late penalty. Uh, five minutes, I think it was before the full time, uh, before the end of the 90 minute mark. And he, they've, they've given themselves a very good platform right now to actually challenge the likes of Atletico Madrid, uh, Villarreal as well. Uh, by the way, Villarreal and Real Betis are both level on points. Uh, they've played a game less than Atletico Madrid. And, you know, it, it can go south very easily for, for Atletico Madrid in this weekend. So they'll have to be very, very Careful. By the way, Villarreal have to play the game of the weekend against Rayo Vallecano uh, at this time of the recording. They haven't yet played it. Um, in the midweek, we have a big clash between Real Betis and Barcelona at the Benito Villamarín. So that will be a game to watch out for. Uh, by the way, another big game of this weekend was between Barcelona and Girona. This was... A very, very, you know, unusual game. We are not used to see Barcelona play so badly and get away with results. And well, that that really happened in this uh, in this game. You know, Girona. They gave. You know, it was a bad goal to give away. By the way, Pedri scoring another goal for for Barcelona. Uh, he didn't start the game. Uh, it was uh, Gabi De Jong and Busquets who started in that midfield. Still no Lewandowski will be back for the Betis game. I am not sure about that, but, uh, well, he has to be back for the Betis game. Dembele, Fati and Rafinha started in that front three. Again, you know, Barcelona are not convincing defensively. They, they're really not. Uh, whether you play Alonso or Alba in that in, in left-back position, I don't know why people are getting on uh, uh, on Alonso's back, but I think the fundamental thing is that the basics with Barcelona with regards to the defensive play have been awful this entire season and uh, they're getting away with things i think once you know the the saturation level sets in and they let in goals one two games they will continuously uh, be you know they, they will continuously let in goals every single time and i think that will be the breaking point for them they're five points clear right now of uh, of real madrid and i think this will that this will give them a big, you know, big leverage over what's what's going to come in the in the latter stages of the season. I think five points advantage is not a big mark. Uh, it's not big, you know. Again, uh, Real Madrid have to go to the camp now to play Barcelona, and that will be a big game, and we'll see what happens back then. But as far as Barcelona's uh, defensive woes go, they they have to repair them. Because it's not going to be easy. You know, even Girona, they had Ivan Martina, I think it was, who had a big chance, a very, very good chance to equalize for Girona. He didn't take it. Uh, and in the end, uh, again, you know, it's, it, it, it is bad to see the way uh, Barcelona are defending. And I think, you know, there, there will be a point where, where, where things will not go their way. And I think that will be the, that will be the time when, you know, things will completely wash up. By the way, Atletico Madrid were away against Osasuna. Uh, they they managed a 1-0 victory, courtesy of a Saul Niguez goal. Um, I think, yeah, that that is it from, uh, from, from La Liga this weekend. I think it was not pretty interesting. Uh, in the midweek, we had a massive game between Real Betis and Barcelona, as I said, at the Benito Villamarín, and that would be very interesting to watch. I'll, uh, uh, we'll we'll cover that on Twitter. It is weekly pod underscore ott on Twitter. 
uh, I'll just let you know that. Uh, by the way, a few other games which happened across the weekend. Paris Saint-Germain were against uh, Roms and Stade Roms and they weren't, again, pretty, pretty bad. You know, the game was, uh, again, you know, PSG, they were so bad in this game. I think Florian Balogun was completely running the show for them. He scored that very, very good goal in the end to give uh, parity to Stade Roms. Uh, but PSG, uh, I mean... What was that? You know, the first half very much lackluster. So many chances for Stade de Roms. They had so many shots on goal. You know, that was, uh, it, it was pretty much, you know, one-sided in that first half. In the second half, they get a goal from Neymar. Uh, I, I thought he was very much uh, uh, fortunate enough to get that ball back towards him. And again, I don't know how he stayed, remained onside, but that was good skill to get the goal. Uh, by the way, Marco Verratti, what are you doing? My goodness. That, that that was such a bad challenge. I I mean I'm a massive fan of Marco Verratti. Let not not don't take it wrong, but that was a very reckless challenge. You can't let you you can't be getting, throwing that challenge. And rightly so, he's getting a yellow. He's getting a red card for that. So, you know that's that. You know in the FA Cup we had a big game between Man City and Arsenal. Uh, Man City did manage to get the victory. I thought Arsenal were pretty impressive in the first half as well. They have got a good a bunch of players around to. Play right now in the in the in the games in the now the FA Cup's not there even the Carabao Cup's not there so it's only the Premier League and the uh, Europa League I think Trossard's been a very good signing as of now we'll see how the things develop through the the rest of the season um, again the way they played against Man City they showed a lot of heart they showed a lot of courage I think uh, the way the performance was I think it was very encouraging. Uh, the result not so much, but there's one less competition to actually worry about. And again, the team that both these managers put in, I don't think they were much, you know, worried about the FA Cup. The main focus is going to be the Premier League right now for both these sides. Uh, by the way, uh, Manchester United were uh, were away against uh, Reading, and they were pretty pretty good. Reading again down to ten men in the end. Uh, Marcus Rashford was chasing uh, the record, but he was taken off by Eric Ten Hag. And I think, you know, Marcus Rashford has to be pissed off, but I'm looking at the bigger picture right now. And I think it was good management by Eric Ten Hag to take him off because they don't have many options in terms of goal scoring in the Premier League if Marcus Rashford goes down. So, you know, it's good management from Eric Ten Hag. Um, Casemiro got himself a double. And again, you know, people are going crazy on Casemiro. Like... You know, he's just the best midfielder in the world or best defensive midfielder in the world. I mean, yeah, he is. And he's not been the best defensive midfielder in the world this season. He's been that for like six, six, seven years. And where are these people, you know, waking up from their sleep? They didn't watch any of Real Madrid's game. I'm like, you know, he, he's been the best defensive midfielder in the world. And he's not played that great. He's just been consistent. That is the same Casemiro performance that I'm seeing from the last two or three years. It's not, you know, peaked or it's not dipped. It's just a typical Casemiro performance. It's just that the quality around him has drastically changed. It's not Toni Kroos and Luka Modric right now. It's Eriksen, who is on crutches right now, and Bruno Fernandes, who is not good technically or with the ball at his feet uh, with, with regards to build-up. So, you know, it is what it is. But, you know, props to Casemiro. He's done very well. And he's, he's taken the challenge, you know, 
by the scruff of the neck and I, I'm really happy to see how, how well he's playing in Manchester United. By the way, a very disheartening result for Liverpool away at uh, the Amex Stadium against Brighton. That was an embarrassing performance again, you know, the way they play. I, th- I think, again, this was much better than the performance at the Amex Stadium in the Premier League. But, you know, take nothing away from this game. This was as bad as it can get. You know, 2-1 again. I think, again, for, for, for Jurgen Klopp as well. This is one less competition to worry about now. The, it's, it's, it's that stage of the season where I think for Jurgen Klopp, top four has to be the priority. I don't think they're completely out of the race as of yet. I won't say that if they lose the next five games as well because there's a lot of time in the season left. And I think when they get the players back, when they get Jota back, when they get Diaz back, I think they will get a bit you know, confident about their own chances. Virgil van Dijk not being there, although he's not been good, him not being there is a massive, massive loss. Again, you know, Trent Alexander-Arnold, you should have done better there. I mean, again, he's playing right back. It's not as if, you know, you're playing right back, you don't want to def- You have to defend you just can't get away with, you know, you, I can't defend playing at right back because I'm not a right back, but I'm good at offensive traits. It's not like that. It, it, you have to be good defensively. You have to bear responsibility. And, you know, Mitoma scoring that goal, props to him. Uh, again, the way Liverpool are playing, I just don't think they are suited to play every single week two times. I think it's a team where, you know, I think the Premier League has to be the massive, you know, you know, the massive attraction right now for them to see how they can master up results every single time. Brighton have been pretty good. Uh, again, they played pretty well. I think McAllister was good. Ferguson was pretty impressive. Uh, the entire team was just amazing to watch. Dan Byrne and Webster, uh, not not Byrne, but Webster and uh, who's the other guy? Uh, I, I don't remember his name. They, they were pretty solid defensively as well. Uh, by the way, the Keita, Thiago and Bajetic midfield does not give me much confidence. Harvey Elliott playing as left winger it makes little sense for me. But, you know, it is what it is right now with Liverpool. We'll see what happens in the Premier League and in the games to come, even in the Champions League against Real Madrid. So that's it from me today. Be sure to check into my Instagram and in my Twitter account. It is weeklypod.ott on Instagram and weeklypod underscore OTT on Twitter, W-E-E-K-L-Y-P-O-D underscore OTT on Twitter. So be sure to follow me there. We'll come back next weekend where we have got a few other games to talk about. We'll see how Bayern fare in the next uh, Bundesliga game. They do have the cup game in the midweek against Mainz, who have who have been a bit of a boogie for... Uh, uh, for for Bayern Munich in the uh, in in the la- in the la- in the last few years, we've got Juventus against Lazio. We've got Chelsea against Fulham uh, at the Stamford Bridge in the Premier League. Wolves against Liverpool is going to be another massive game for both these sides. Particularly, uh, Real Madrid will be taking on Valencia in the Santiago Bernabeu. Um, Dortmund against Freiburg is a massive game in the Bundesliga. Uh, we've got PSG against Toulouse. It's not going to be a massive game again. You know, PSG will run away with them. Uh, Atletico Madrid against Hetafia. Mini Madrid derby there. Uh, we've got Union Berlin against Mainz. A very tight game even there. Eintracht Frankfurt against Hertha Berlin. I don't think it's going to be much of, uh, much of a big game. You know, Arsenal against Everton. Everton who have changed managers. Uh, so it will be very interesting to see how they go about their business there. Um, 
Sassuolo against Atalanta, against Sassuolo, very impressive at the weekend as we talked about them against Milan. Uh, Napoli will be away against Spezia, Manchester City against Tottenham. Uh, on Sunday as well, it's going to be very impressive. It's going to be a very massive game at uh, the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Bayern Munich will travel away at Wolfsburg to see how things go about themselves. By the way, uh, Marseille and uh, Lens, who are in contention with for the league on title, have also dropped points. Monaco, uh, Marseille are playing Monaco at home. They dropped points at the Velodrome, and Lens were away at Troyes, who who are pretty much in mid-table in Ligue 1 and they, they drop points too. And again, I don't know what to make of this, but you know, I think if Marseille can win the league, they have got Azadine Unahi in the January transfer window now. So if they can win the league, it would be a massive success for Ligue 1 to, to actually have the second best team in Ligue 1 as Marseille. You know, Big advert for the league as well. So we'll see what happens. For Until now, it is... Uh, it's goodbye from me. This was a host, Mayuresh Matkar. Thank you very much. We'll get back to you next week. Ciao.